Hey, this is Matt Franco. This is Eric Dittleman. Welcome to Mind Over Magic. Episode 38. Got a lot to talk about today. So much happened this week. So much. Uh, I'm excited to just hear some exciting news you have, Matt. It's uh, Cats Out of the Bag. The The reopening of Magic Reinvented Nightly at the Link Hotel and Experience in Las Vegas is April 29th, just over a month away. Wow, you got an official date and you announced it not on the podcast first. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's super exciting, man. That's uh, I mean, that's like all back to, to what you do. It's been how long? Do you have the day count? Well, uh, <laughs> it's like 10 days over a year right yeah, now. Yeah, so that's probably your longest break from performing. And Ever get, and you get yeah. back on the stage and uh, April twenty. That's coming up. That's gonna be sooner than you think. Yeah. So like it's exciting, but for me it just means it's a deadline. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. The date has been set <laughs> and a show is happening. Mm-hmm. Come hell or high water on that day. So help support live entertainment and uh, we're, safety is our top priority. We've got the precautions in place. We're ready to rock. We're in the rehearsal phases now and. I'm excited for a few new segments in the show, and the production top to bottom just looks and feels totally different and great, and it's the perfect time for that refresh, because we're almost 2,000 shows in at the link, so great timing for all this. And I know you got the the press engine role, and I saw a couple articles already released, uh, and and, uh, uh, Mind Over Magic listeners will notice that in one of the releases, I think it was the Las Vegas Journal, Review Journal, uh, Mm -hmm. where you talk about the 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 blackjack table bit that you you just pitched here <laughs> on the oh, podcast. Uh, yeah, I one of the reasons I was willing to mention that, and that was uh, it, 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 when you do these press things, there are sort of prepared statements yeah. that you put into the press release that like all the article articles sure. can use and pull from, and and but the review journal likes to dig a little deeper, so mm-hmm. I had you had a phone conversation uh, with the journalist there, and. Uh, you know, they, they, they pry and say, Oh, can you give me more information? Give me some more. What are you doing? Tell right. me about one of the new bits. And I thought, well, you know what? There's because of this podcast, because I talked about it here. I thought I felt a little more comfortable to, to talk about the blackjack table, by the way, worked on that script. Did you? I, I feel really good about it. Oh, good. Oh, that's going to be fun. Yeah. I and can't wait to see it. I took your advice. I'm going to try to make a go for actually using that tabletop during the trick i haven't seen it on the imag yet to see if it's too distracting but like i looked at it again and like if you really pointed the elephant in the room and like make a whole bit about it like i think it's gonna work yeah i think that's that's funnier for sure Mm -hmm. just to have Mm -hmm. your own face staring back up at you on the iMac. yeah (laughs) yeah so i've got about two minutes of dialogue right now which you know could get cut down to one who knows but like right now Mm -hmm. i feel like it's already like pretty close to there i feel feel good about that we can get more into that later when we talk about a couple of scripting things i want to get your take on so yeah absolutely but i want to know where you're at right now with the show and kind of like do you have a game plan a map ahead of you leading up to that April 29th date? Like, what is the process, especially for our listeners that have never m- mounted a show or never mind remounted a show? Like, where are you in that process and what does that look like? Yeah, the schedule is uh, is, is flexible but hashed out. And we did, our, we did a big tech week uh, maybe a month back. We have another big tech week coming in, which is like the week leading up to opening. Mm-hmm. And in between now and then, it's there are a lot of moving parts, just getting all our ducks in the row in terms of um, we'll be training some folks, we'll be rehearsing, we'll be going over the new show order and, and getting all the content in place and kind of one step at a time. So like initial rehearsals are very low tech, right. blocking through, here's where this, here's where I stand, here's where I move to, this prop enters from stage right okay, we understand the screens will come in here. And then after a, a couple of weeks of that, we'll do rehearsals probably with sound automation and sort of uh, travelers, a.k.a. curtains, kind of opening right. and closing. Yeah, yeah. And then after that, we go into the full tech. 
Okay. That that sounds like a game plan. And uh, do you have the whole crew coming back? Uh, with the the break, I know a lot of people's situations have changed. Is your crew like just excited to get back to work? It feels yeah, like I'm interviewing you. Great. Everyone, what's that? It feels like I'm interviewing you like the Las Vegas Review Journal. <laughs> I just <was> gonna say. <laughs> Morale has been great because everyone's excited to be working again. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. That's great. That's great. I'm I'm excited. I, I'm hoping to get out to Vegas at some point this year uh, when sure. we can travel and I can see the show and everything. And uh, and uh, you're already using the new marketing stuff that you've been tackling on. And uh, I saw that was released with the, the announcement as well. I don't know where that was released. I, I saw it. <laughs> Someone tagged me in it on Instagram, so I shared it to my story. I was like, oh, cool, the new Mario. I, that was the first time I'd seen it publicly. <laughs> You're like, I didn't even approve this yet. <laughs> <laughs> that exact layout, I hadn't seen. <laughs> well, it's out there now. <laughs> it's floating around. It'll be in the newsletter tomorrow as well. Oh, we, got, we go on sale tomorrow, which I guess would be today when, when you hear this. Yeah. Well, So by the time you listen to this, you could buy tickets for Matt's show. Uh, where mm-hmm. can they do that and what tell them about the newsletter how they can get on your newsletter too unlike this podcast you can go to my website and sign up for the (laughs) the matt franco newsletter um tickets available mm, i i suppose ticketmaster would be the 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 way people buy them ticketmaster.com you do a little search for matt franco you click on the date you want you get your tickets you come to the show and you know it's that simple yeah, I feel like you're in a good place too because I saw other announcements of some other shows opening up and like you're you know you, we always talked about how you didn't want to be the first one back cuz you wanted to see how everyone was uh managing this and there were some shows in Vegas that kind of have been open throughout, you know, even with the small tiny <laughs> limited audiences that they allowed mm-hmm. at the time. But uh I still feel like you're still one of like your dates earlier than most dates that have announced so far. So that's pretty exciting as well. Yeah, definitely within the Caesars family, it's the first like straight magic show mm-hmm. that that they have coming back. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's so. great, man. Mm-hmm. That's are you are how are you feeling towards it? That's a that's a question. I'm excited, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm I'm feeling pretty good right now. I w- if you asked me a few days ago, I was defeated because I'm working on this this trick. I, I've I've showed you a, a, a preliminary video of me working on it at my house where I'm trying to make two invisible things change places. Yes. You know what I'm referring to? Yes, I do. Yeah. And uh, two days ago, I, s- I spent a good six to eight hours just failing. And <laughs> well, that's always good, though. Like <laughs> It is good. I'm so happy to hear you say that. I'm happy to fail now. The more you fail now, you know, the better, more buttoned up it is later. So Yeah, that's always the tricky part when you're ever breaking in something new. You want to fail as often as possible to know how it can go wrong because it's it's tougher when you're in the middle of like a paid performance and you find a new way things can go wrong and you have to deal with it then in the moment. So the more times it can mess up prior to that and you can have a plan or a backup or figure out to make sure that situation doesn't come up to begin with, that's Mm -hmm. the way to go about it. I think. Yeah. Magician writer, David Regal, uh, who works on the Carbonaro effect and lots of other things. I was reading in his book the other day where he was talking about, how the more mistakes you make up front, the better, and it limits the panic you have mm-hmm. later on, like leading up to having to do it in whatever the, the show is, the platform is. And, but in parentheses, he says, don't worry, that will still happen too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you will still freak out <laughs> when something goes wrong during your show. <laughs> right. You'll still have that panic stage leading right up until the moment where you have to go on. Something will happen that you're not expecting, but it's still better to fail as much as possible early on. Right. Um, but the good news is yesterday did some more work, got it into a really, really good place. Oh, good. And now I'm, now I'm, everything's honky-dory. So Nice. And cruising mm-hmm. along, and uh, you said you're adding a bunch of new things to the show, so that's just yeah, right. One there are at least a few new segments right now, so great, yeah. And you just came off the road, yeah, yeah. I was back on the road traveling, uh, for the first time in a year. I actually flew to I had two uh college gigs, uh, back to back in different states in Iowa and Missouri, not in that mm-hmm. order. <laughs> I don't know why I said it that way. But uh, it was uh, it was there was it was mixed. It was a mixed uh, bag there for me, just because 
there was something about being back on the road that was like very comforting. Like it felt normal again to be going through the rituals, getting the rental car, checking into the hotel. It's just that looming COVID thing that's just around everything. That's the part that's so nerve wracking that I, you know, I was so worried about, you know, flying and the safety there and, uh, you know, took some of your advice when you flew during the pandemic of uh, just how, how the plane's not that bad. It's the it's the airport and everyone leading up because yeah, no one no one's following social distancing, going like on the jet bridge onto the plane. And right. It's just so wild. I mean, you're trying to do that, but I had uh you know mask, face shield. I think I sent you a photo. I was like, I look yeah. like my my mom said I look like uh, someone out of Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> I just came up with a diddle Mandalorian uh, kind of face mask going on uh, and, you know, left that on the whole time. I did get to go to the, the lounge and, you know, I took it off just to eat. But it's so funny because, like, they're very there's so many announcements of, like, put your mask on between bites and, like, very, right. you know, <laughs> take a sip, put your mask on, then swallow, <laughs> you know, whatever. You're yeah. right, though. When you're boarding the plane, people tend to prioritize racing to, towards that jet bridge for the overhead space instead of, yeah. you know, the distancing. Yeah, while we're on that, uh, on the way back, I realized there was a huge difference between getting upgraded and not upgraded. Because I was, ah. I was uh, on uh, first class the, the way there. It was, a, it was just a direct flight. But on the way back, just one of my two legs was upgraded to first class. And the when I didn't get upgraded, it was the difference between boarding first and boarding last because they do it now from oh. uh, because of COVID protocols, boarding the back of the plane to the front, right. but first class still gets to go. So the, the that comfort plus section in the middle where it's like you're sort of upgraded but not upgraded, that right. boards last. And I was like so worried about overhead space and it was it was wild. <laughs> Well, what a first world problem. What a first world. Yeah, I'm saying that knowing how privileged and lucky I am to get <laughs> upgraded to begin with. But Yeah, even just to be able to, to get on a plane to share what you do yeah, with people exactly. on the other side of the country is pretty awesome. So privilege checked. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I will tell you, though, I know the feeling because I just made the mistake of not understanding that first class still boards first. I thought, okay, planes front to back. I'm just going to board last. I thought that was automatic. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even know that they, cha- that, you know, that they um uh, still sent first class on first. So like, I just like you know showed up a little bit later <laughs> and was like, all right, I'll be the last one on. No big deal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's so so strange all of it. But I guess I didn't have to worry about overhead space because I. The, the thing I'm always most uh, concerned about is my show bag. I just want to make sure that that finds a space above me right. because I don't want to check that because I want to always be able to at least do my show if luggage issues arrive. Sure. Um, so uh, I'm just always very uh, you know particular about that. But mm-hmm. uh, I didn't have to worry because Delta, at least for a while, is still blocking off the uh, middle seats. So it's right, but that capacity. ends like maybe right now. Yeah, I think it ends like right after my, the trip I just took. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm, I, yeah, I, I don't have plans to fly again for a while, and hopefully things will be more back to normal when I do. But uh, who knows? That that was just an interesting experience. The other thing that I found fascinating is they do leave that seat, um, but um, at least for now, but. You have people directly in front of you and behind you. It's like, does the virus not travel vertically? It's only <laughs> travels horizontally. Like I never got the the logic behind that anyway. <laughs> of no, the airplanes spot- somehow have gotten yeah. the free pass, honestly, because mo- <laughs> like you said, every other airline's at full occupancy anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so anyway, that was the travel stuff. Uh, but uh, the shows were fascinating. Um, the first one definitely felt rusty being back out there, but. As we said, just power through that rust. The thing that I was really relying on was like the music cues in my show to like cover any sparse applause or laughter after each effect I do mm-hmm. because the audience is so spread out. And in the first show, my audio didn't work. Oh no. <laughs> well, your microphone worked, just no playback. 
my my mic worked fine. Um, the, Which you might have not needed, by the way. Yeah, I know, because it, <laughs> right. it was a smaller crowd. <laughs> so the, uh, the I thought it was my end, because it was like, oh, I, I usually check my music, but I was like, I'm, I'm pretty surely positive my my um, my sound system's going to work, the receiver, receiver and everything. And then when we were testing it, we were like testing it right up until showtime, and it was just cutting in and out. And uh. it seemed like one of my uh, ports was like loose on it. And that, so mm-hmm. I was, we were trying chords. I was borrowing chords, like just like USB chords to plug into my iPad that plays my music and all this stuff. And um, so I thought it was my end, and we, we just went with the show. I was like, I guess I'll have to do it without. And then I get back to the hotel. My music works fine. I tested it there. Did the show the next night. Music works fine. So I think wow. it was, I think it was just their sound system. Wow. So, yeah, that happens. I've you know, had that happen many, many times. It happens. So I, I, I powered through it, and um, you know, I thought the show was going to run shorter because I didn't have those music cues, so I actually added a piece in, and that just turned out with the COVID protocols. show still went long, and yeah, the piece right. I added made it even longer. <laughs> <laughs> right, and I wasn't I wasn't taking a dig saying small crowd. It probably limited occupancy at these things, right? Yeah, yeah. This one was in a um, in like a kind of a cafeteria area with the stage, the uh, stage part of it. Like you, you've done those shows, right? You're in yeah. the, in the dining hall. You're on um, a riser. Yeah, kind of on a riser. It's built into the building, so that was oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but you know, uh, students came and they sat in their socially distanced pods at tables, and uh, you know, I kept, you know, had hand sanitizer on each side of the stage, and we had microphone covers, all the stuff that I, you know, had prepared to make sure things were safe, and and uh, yeah, I think the show still went well despite the the music stuff that I like. I know the difference because I've done the show, but I think they still had a great time, and you know, it's all it's all about that perspective and them seeing it and just seeing live performances to begin with they were being a great receptive audience just to see that right now the next night show well first of all i I had to drive four and a half hours up to iowa and uh during the drive uh did you ever have uh this i had i posted on my social media it said um do you need a break Uh, in my rental car with a little picture of a coffee cup that popped up have you ever seen that notification before no yeah. Because you were driving for a long period of well, time? Keep in mind, my car does not have a coffee machine in it. So right. <laughs> it was a false promise. But I right. think they were telling me to like pull over, take a break, not realizing I am a driving pro. I've done this. <laughs> <laughs> so it was about the four-hour mark where this, pop- this popped up. And then I did some research, and so I was like, yeah, that pops up sometimes depending on the car if you're like – you're you're bad at driving. Like, oh no! <laughs> if you like swerve a little bit, you hit that rumble strip. And I was like, well, no one was on the road. I was like, I don't think it was that because I was, you know, I I was pretty, you know, good with my driving. Uh, Were you driving on the rumble strip? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> it is fun though <laughs> to make the sound. <laughs> Didn't you used to do some kind of bit about the? Rumble I had strip? a joke. Yeah, I had a joke in the show that's no longer in the show, but it was. Uh, yeah, anyone know those rumble strips on the side of the road? Anyone else get turned on by those? That just. <laughs> now, why did that joke get cut from the act? Uh, you know, times have changed a bit, and uh, yeah. <laughs> the audience. You, you just listen to the audience. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I like the honesty there. You listen to the audience. You know. Hey, it killed for a long time. It did. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, yeah. And then it didn't. And then it didn't. Yeah. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Maybe and we'll try how'd it again. How'd that second show go? Um, it was great. I, I'll tell you, it was like felt really close to like a normal full show. It was in a black box theater. That was a lot of fun. Um, you know, again, the 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 students were super responsive and ex- you know excited to have any live. Uh, performance you know they stream it as well for anyone who wasn't able to you know leave their dorms or off campus can see it but like I think they only got like a few viewers streaming but the um, the audience was great the interesting thing about that show was there was a plexiglass wall in front of the stage okay so this was the first time I actually got to see my own show from the audience's perspective through the reflection of the plexiglass that's funny (laughs) 
So that was uh, that was fascinating just to see all that. But again, it, it went really smoothly. The music cues definitely helped, uh, mm-hmm. you know, do those punch moments at the end of each effect. And uh, and yeah, even uh, got standing ovation at the end because they hey! were very, very happy to have, uh, you know, some live entertainment. And I had a blast performing and I was ad libbing again and just having more fun with the show and. I even threw in, <laughs> threw in a line about NFTs because that's the big rage these days. It is, yeah. <laughs> so that I mean, I don't know if it'll stay in the show, but it uh, it got a good laugh. So. A standing ovation is not the easiest thing to get from a college audience in particular. So yeah. that's that's great. Yeah, yeah. Now, do you bring people up behind the glass at all from six feet away? Or? Mm-hmm. I still had people up on stage. We, you know, we're both masked up and uh, keeping the distance uh, as much as possible. Are you masked the whole show or no? No, when it was just me on stage by myself, I took the mask off. Especially Perfect. with okay, the, no, that makes sense. Especially rules with here in the Vegas. Uh, with the plexiglass, right? Because that was that's a nice little barrier. Do you um, have sanitizer for when people are handed things? Yeah, so there's sanitizer at the end of each, at the uh, by each stair. So before they come up, they can hand sanitize, and as they leave, they can hand sanitize. As is well. that like a new addition to your rider? And uh, just to clarify, a tech rider is sort of requirements that you provide to uh, a client when you're performing a gig. It probably should be, but I haven't updated my rider, so okay. I've been bringing sanitizer with me and just doing it myself. Gotcha. So well, see, that's the thing. Bag. I would do both. I would have it in the rider, yeah. and then I would also have it for when it's not there that mm-hmm. you've requested mm-hmm. it. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was good, and um, it was. There's like, it's just. Uh, this goes into my goal from last week is to like assess what works and what didn't. Uh, so, so all those little notes and like just one, making sure my music is working uh, mm-hmm. definitely helped. Uh, but knowing that the COVID protocols extend the show and to try and, you know, not add or feel like things are dragging, like, but to still have that fun. And like, especially in my show is having those moments where I can improvise helps a lot and just like kind of being present it definitely helped me stay more present with all the all the things that need to be done uh there's one part of my show i had to adjust just because and i i i like it i think the audience likes it we'll see (laughs) it's it's just kind of the nature of the beast is during my blindfold act i have to uh get people to draw drawings and i need to have them hand it to me but for the blindfold i can't be masked up right because I'm putting duct tape over my face that would tape the mask over my mouth. It'd be mm-hmm. very hard to breathe. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so what I have them do is they take the clipboards in the audience, social distanced, and grab that. And once they draw their drawings, again, one at a time, they put their uh, papers on a stool at the side of the stage, face down. But then there's a moment when I'm standing there duct taped with my eyes shut, in the middle of the stage and I have to then find those papers on the edge of the stage. Oh, that's hilarious. So I just lean into the awkwardness of that and we're like, we're going to play a game of hot and cold. You direct me as I shuffle my way across the stage to find these papers. And then we get there and I got a big applause. Once I like put my hand on the papers, I go, no, 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 we're not done yet. Cause I got to go back. <laughs> <laughs> so that got a good laugh. And so That's that, great. That might stay in the show. I don't know. Uh, no, I love it. I mean, <laughs> were you thankful for the plexi? Did that prevent you from falling off the downstage edge of the stage? For that, for the blindfold. Yes. I even made note of that. It's like, normally I have you also make sure that I don't get near the edge of the stage, but luckily, uh, Oh, I ad libbed this line too. I liked it. I go, I kind of feel like a zoo animal behind <laughs> the glass and, you know, to be honest, if you throw crackers at me, I'll probably eat them because look at me. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that went over well, too. So. I was going to say, did that get a big laugh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, if you throw crackers, that's great. <laughs> was that was that an ad lib yeah. on the spot or no? Yeah, that was on the spot, yeah. It wasn't like while you were setting up, you saw the glass and thought of it. It actually came to you in the moment. Yeah, in the moment, in the moment. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so overall, yeah. it was good. And, uh, you know, um, again... Uh, the schools were great with all the COVID protocol. The towns surrounding the schools, not so much. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Like the, the virus might as well not exist in those towns. Right. So I right, right. mostly stayed in my hotel room. Uh, the I went into a convenience store once to grab a bottle of water, and it was just like, oh, this guy, no one's wearing masks. So I'm wow. going to be real, real, real quick. <laughs> so Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you, I've been passing – through the casino at the link, you know, 
going to the theater and whatnot. And uh, the casino has been busy since now they're open seven days a week, which Link was previously only open Thursday yeah. to Sunday. Now it's seven days a week. And it's been busier on those weekdays. Mm-hmm. And people are rocking the masks. Good. Good, good. Yeah, good. no, good I see hear. overwhelming support of the uh, of the masks going on uh, here in Vegas. So you know, um, that's what I'm seeing. I'm sure there's other stuff happening too everywhere. But you know, I'm, I've I've been pleasantly impressed. That's great to hear, especially since I think people are starting to get a little looser with the vaccines rolling out. They're seeing the end of the tunnel, the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, mm-hmm. But I, we're supposed to still do that because even if you're vaccinated, you can still pass it along and. Uh, we'll get through it once we get that herd immunity and all that stuff. And, uh, some people are like, have told me, especially entertainers who fly a lot. They're like, I'm going to wear a mask continuing on after this pandemic's over. Cause they're like, I haven't gotten a cold in a year or two. You know? I, yeah, I mean, yeah. I haven't been sick. I don't know if it's that, or like, obviously I've had very, very limited interactions with people over the past year. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I haven't been sick in, well over a year now maybe 13 14 15 months something like that so i love that like i don't want to start taking that for granted now i know you just posted this to your social media as well but your bonsai tree bonsai tree is doing very well so it's almost like you bought that at the beginning of the pandemic and it's almost a metaphor that it's still (laughs) like it's not getting sick you're not getting sick (laughs) the bonsai's got strong roots man just like us Exactly. Just exactly. like Mind Over Magic, because this is episode 38 after all. Yes! Yes! Yeah, we're still going strong, and we're still going to be doing this as you reopen. As I'm traveling again, we're going to be dedicated to still get this rolling. So I love that you mentioned that, because I thought of that today. I was like, because a lot of things were like pandemic-specific. Like, virtual shows will probably still kind of always have a future and exist, but like... They're not. It's not going to be the main go-to for most people, right? Uh, in terms of performers and attendees, you know. Mm-hmm. So, but this podcast is here to stay because yeah, we're here. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what like COVID projects, like lockdown projects, started and then are going to end once things open up again. But yeah, this is not just a lockdown project. We're going to keep going, even though it started at the beginning of the pandemic. You know what, though? Yeah, I'm interested to see if it, how long mentalists are able to keep their careers going. I have a fear Ooh. that mentalists might have to retire soon. Okay. Well, tell me about this. Why? You'll notice in the show notes, I wrote A-M-A-R-S, and I didn't want you to know that stands for all mentalists are retiring soon. <laughs> no, I would I would not know that's what that stood for. <laughs> you would have deleted it. Yeah. So that's why I didn't want to tell you. Uh, no, it's, it's a joke. But uh, I was recently exposed to this like crazy mind reading software. I mean, it's called, there was one version called next mind and one called Neuralink. And, um, our friend Matt green showed it to me and basically it's a computer software where he sits at the computer and puts this headband on that somehow measures what's going on in his brain. And he can focus on, it'll be like, uh, it'll show you a keypad like one through nine and it'll give, uh, you'll have like a four digit number. Let's say you make up four, one, two, six. So what you do is you sit across from the computer and you focus on the four and it knows you're focusing on the four and then the one and then the two and then the six. So I am familiar with this kind of software. Uh, okay. So even back in my uh, board game days when I was working at Marbles, the brain store, Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they had a product that they were selling uh, at the time. So basically, it's reading your um, your EKG, reading your like your brain waves, and it can recognize patterns so that it knows where you're where you're thinking, basically. And as a skeptic, I immediately I'm like, well, the camera's following your eyes, right? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm, it's following yeah. your eyes, but you're right, it's EKGs, whatever that means. Yeah, it's it's the it's the electro impulses that your brain puts out. And you're telling me it has nothing to do with the camera following your eyes where they're looking. So I'll tell you the other the first time I encountered this was it was actually a toy. There was a toy where it was very primitive at the time, but it was basically a ping pong ball that was like uh, being blown, like floating with a with an airstream. So it was kind mm-hmm. of like hovering. Mm-hmm. And basically, you can control the vertical of the ball by just thinking up and down because it would adjust the airstream accordingly. 
So it was only one input of up versus down, but there was an obstacle course that you could kind of like rotate around the ball and you like were thinking up and down as you rotated the obstacle course mm -hmm. to move it. So it was using that. There was no cameras involved. It was just you thinking. Wow. So that's that was the first time I saw it. And I also know that I want to say it had its roots in me the medical. This could all be wrong, by the way. But in the medical <laughs> world, uh, because I think there was like a house episode or like some one one TV show where they actually used this for coma patients because they couldn't actually talk to them, um, but they could still had brain activity. So mm. they basically had a giant monitor on the screen, uh, and obviously this is a fictional show, but I think their roots came from real science, obviously, um, where they had a cursor, and they could ask them yes or no questions, and just by thinking up or down, they would move the cursor to the yes or the no on the monitor. Uh, so I know there's been fascinating studies and advances in the fact that they can you know, add different multiple inputs. Like, I think I saw Matt's uh, video he posted where he was basically playing uh, blocks <laughs> and he was moving Well, that was paddle. my next thing. I couldn't remember yeah. the name of the game where the ball bounces and yeah. you have to stop it from going down, right? Mm -hmm. So you move the mm -hmm. little surfboard back and forth. You, I didn't know you saw this. Okay. Yeah, the paddle, the paddle. You can move that back and forth with your mind. So again, it's just doing inputs of left and right, but still, it's pretty impressive. But it's specific because you have to mm -hmm. hit where the ball's going to land. Yeah. I would yeah, think. Yeah, right. Well, you're just telling the, the cursor to move left or right, but you're telling it continually move left or continue oh, to move left. Oh, and right. when to stop. Right. So you've known about this for about 10 plus years. And you still chose <laughs> to stay in the mentalism field. Well, I wanted to talk about why. I mean, there's always advances in technology, right? And mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. I mean, just uh, the trend of magicians always being like one step ahead of the technology. And That's sometimes true. They're, they're seeking it out and trying to apply it in new ways. Uh, but uh, when it comes to mentalism and all this kind of mind reading stuff, uh, I mean, people thought mentalist careers were over once Facebook came out. Because everyone right. was just posting what they were thinking all the time. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Yeah, magic deals with that, too. And it is true. Magic is the science of tomorrow. Yeah. So what, what the impressive part is, is when you can pare it back down to simple technology. I, I can say there's nothing around me you can check. There's no you know wires, gears, gadgets. I'm using a piece of paper and a pencil, which you are familiar with. And I can mm -hmm. still be able to do these miracles in this impossible context. And I right. think that's why I think mentalism and magic will be around forever because you're just all you have to do is set up the base reality of what is real and what is true. And then you break that expectation by whatever effect you're doing. Right. Totally. But I was I was blown away that this was even possible. Matt was saying you could pretty much use technology like this to almost call a show by focusing oh, wow. on which cue is next and allowing it to happen. Yeah, once it gets to that reliable, like that's the thing that will be interesting to see because then you basically free up your hands to do other stuff while you're just thinking about controlling levers and whatever with your mind. Yeah, it'd be crazy if that's like 10 years away or even 20 years away, like that's that's crazy. Now I know that there was also at the last Comic-Con I went to, there was a booth where you could put on a little EKG reader for your brain and it like, printed out some sort of like drawing or design or pattern based off of it and it was kind of like a like a reading gave you a reading like a like a palm reading almost so that's that, there's lots of applications and uses and people are getting creative with it so Great. curious to see where it goes it'll be one thing once it like oh just thinking about my trip again if it gets into <laughs> cars and people just start thinking oh that seems dangerous to me <laughs> yeah oh man turn Definitely. left I'm not touching the wheel. <laughs> Tesla's almost there. I know. Well, they're just driving for you. You don't even Yeah, that's think. true. <laughs> but, Matt, I think it's time for a diddle me this. Diddle me this. Diddle me that. Will Eric end up stumping Matt? Riddles. So I didn't even plan this, but this is based off of like cars and vehicles. And uh, it's, I, I would say this is more of a in that lateral thinking logic type um, riddle category rather than like um, the other riddles that we've been doing. But here we go. Mr. Stone, sorry, Mr. Stone's truck attempted to enter a parking garage, but got caught underneath the garage ceiling because the truck's six foot six height. 
It won't budge forward or backwards. How can he get the truck out from under the garage ceiling? Uh, you would remove the ceiling on the garage. That So think of like a multi-level ceiling, like garage. Oh, in other words, the ceiling is also the floor of the level above? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you remove the, um, like you shave off the top six inches of the truck. You just shave it off with your, your truck shaver? <laughs> um i mean i would farm this out personally like i would i would find someone who specializes call, in truck shaving call call your manager and be like hey got my got my truck stuck uh what could you do yeah <laughs> you know and then guy? they go yeah well i got a i got a truck shaving guy so that's wrong yeah you got a truck shaving guy <laughs> so that's not it no all no, right that's not it but i so like the- First thoughts. The first thoughts are always interesting. All right. All right. So what we do is we we pop the wheels off. Now you're getting somewhere. You pop pop the wheels off, but I feel like that would be problematic because generally to change a tire, you got to pump the the vehicle upwards. Right. Yeah. Which you can't do right now, right? No, because it's stuck. So, ah, I got it. You deflate the tires. That's it. You got it. I liked the thought process with there. You first started at the top where the problem was happening. You're like, yeah, we removed some height by the truck shaver. And then, <laughs> and then just when you first said pop the tires out, I was like, oh, I thought you just said pop the tires. And was, That'll work. Right, right. <laughs> but, but I'm glad you, you realize that's not what I meant. Yeah. I was just using pop as like a verb for remove. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So if you just let the air out of the tires, it'll bring it down quite significantly and then you can yep. roll it out on flat tires also like come on trucks there's signs just read the i know signs. <laughs> there was a bridge in my hometown where they it was a it was a railroad bridge so it's not like one you could like really adjust like or modify if something gets stuck but these uh trucks would just come barreling down and get stuck these like mac trucks under the bridge all the time and it was on the main street uh in my hometown it's like there's signs leading up to it so just follow the signs. Don't follow Shouldn't your GPS. Shouldn't be allowed to drive a truck. Yeah. <laughs> it would block traffic. Everyone would get you know, stuck and late for work. It was the best. The best. You ready for the riddle? I am. Uh, for, riddle? Oh, uh, no, sorry. Trivia. Matt picks up the question, then he stares at it. Eric's at the ready. Time to use his wit. Pressure. 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 Trivia. Pressure. Trivia. What's the tallest breed of dog in the world? The tallest breed of dog. All right, so I know there's some big dogs out there. And I'm hoping Great start. I'm I hoping it's a uh, a breed I know the name of cuz I feel like there's there's like one that I went to right away, but there's also like another one that was like I think that might actually be taller, but I don't know the name of that breed. Uh, it's but mainstream. I, but I'm going to go Clifford the Big Red Dog. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, Not fictional. I don't think I need choices if it's mainstream and I do know the breed. Uh, the, the, so I'm gonna, I am I have an answer, but the, the answer I was going to say that's not this one was the, the Wolfhound, which is like a big, big dog as well. But I'm going to go. I think it's a Great Dane. Is that correct? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Bingo. Do you know any famous Great Danes? Um, should I? No, I don't. There's Beethoven? one. No, he's the same Bernard Beethoven. Okay. Come on, Matt. <laughs> know, your, know your pop culture dogs. Uh, he's an animated dog. Airbud, Golden Retriever, Receiver. That is a real dog that just knows how to do basketball and football, Matt. Okay. <laughs> That's not animated. And and the name of the dog is in the name of the dog, so I should have not even mentioned that one. I'm just naming famous dogs at this point. Uh, I'll give you another hint. He likes to solve mysteries. Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> he goes around in a van. He's got a high Oh, threat. Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo's a great Dane. Wow. I See, I would have never known that that was a great Dane. Yeah, I have a weird knowledge for, like, you know, what – dogs <laughs> what animated dogs or what breed do you know what uh, what snoopy is um i feel like i should is that like a uh, a dalmatian or a basset hound 
No, no. Basset Hound would be like Droopy Dog. Uh, but uh, be- he's a beagle. Snoopy's a beagle. A beagle, okay. What about Pluto? I don't know what Pluto is or looks like. What is Pluto? From from Disney, like Mickey's dog, which is I'm also fam- weird because Goofy's a dog but can walk and talk. Is Pluto. Pluto look like a reindeer? Pluto's like the yellow dog. I'm not familiar with that. Wow, you don't know? <laughs> okay. <laughs> not knowing Denzel Washington's one thing. <laughs> Not knowing Pluto, one of the most famous animated dogs of all time. I'm you say baffled. Pluto, I think planet. That's it. No. Yeah, no. Wow. It's also a dog. Well, and maybe if I saw it, I'd be like, oh, okay, I've seen that before. Well, that one I always ask because it's hard to tell. But uh, I just knew that uh, Pluto, for those of you who are listening and do know who Pluto is, unlike Matt, uh, Pluto is a pointer. Okay. Yes. So anyway, that's my little trivia. Clap back to you. I, you know what? It's the clapback I never asked for, but I like that I got it. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, speaking of clarifications, uh, last week we talked about the stochastic process of um, and how you get all these uh, variables come through and you're putting them through a filter and that helps you learn. Uh, talking to a friend who listened to the episode, I just wanted to clarify, there is a stochastic process in math that, you know, in science that deals with like random variable models often used in like bacteria cells and like trying to, you know, determine and predict population growth and all this stuff that has to do with a different um, kind of meaning behind stochastic process. So I looked into this because stochastic just means random basically. And there's a lot of like math theory behind it. Uh, But the the thing I was talking about, uh, I found the term stochastic learning so st- stochastic learning process. So I guess I just want to clarify those two terms. I think the base level idea of how that works is fascinating regardless of what you call it. Uh, but just uh, to you know, really define what your filter is so that when random variables come, you can identify it and you identify it more than if you had not had that filter put up. Does that make sense? I think so. Yeah. It's so, heady stuff. It is heady stuff uh, for sure. But uh, I just wanted to clarify for those nerds out there uh, like me, who like to get things right. <laughs> no, thank you for the As clarification well. on the process. Um, speaking of process, mm. I would love, 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 love to talk a little bit about your actual writing process for material. I've been reading a book called Scripting Magic. Have you heard of this? I've read, I read it a long time ago, yes. And this I think is my first time a, reading it. Go another ahead. one out, too, a 2.0. I there is. A, yeah, I've got both. I'm, I'm halfway through the first one. I, like... I'm pleasantly surprised with how much I like it. Is that right? Pete McCabe? Is that the name? Yeah. I wasn't sure if it was McCabe or Maccabee, but that's him. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. With a million contributors like, you know, oh, of Steinmeier and Teller mm-hmm. and Regal mm-hmm. and just everybody. But it's really, really good. Yeah. It was interesting because uh, it's, uh, it's always fascinating to get an outside, uh, like, field that's, like, t- written about a lot and then finding a book that's, like, more specific in the realm of magic and how they are take those principles and apply it to our field. But mm-hmm. I tend to go more macro in like, so what I was learning, you know, writing and stuff, I, I just went to screenwriting books. So like just, right. you know, a lot of, uh, you know, Save the Cat and uh, there's a sitcom writing one that's similar, Elephant Bucks, of just like how to approach the writing process in terms of television and movies. And then I wanted to learn those principles and then apply it myself to the field I'm working in rather than, mm-hmm. you know, specifically you know sure. have someone shoehorn their views and their perceptive uh perception that makes sense. into it but um but i think there was a lot of great stuff i again i read it so long ago i don't remember a lot of it but i remember he gave you like full scripts and like broke them down which is really cool yeah i i just want to like i've never asked you this like i've seen a lot of your material performed live and on video and like given notes i have no idea what your process <laughs> is of, of writing it and i want to know what you do well, uh, it first involves me thinking about writing and then like procrastinating for two weeks. No, more. I get, th- I know that. I ha- I do that part too. <laughs> we all do that it's, part. But I great... mean, do you physically write it down first? Do you mm-hmm. 
audio record yourself sort of improvising the gist of it and then transcribe it? Do you ever write it down or is it all just upstairs in the um, brain? Yeah, I do write it. It's it's one of those things I hate writing. Like I, I it's, uh, that quote I, and I wish I could attribute it, but it's uh, I, I love I hate writing. I love have written. I love, mm. you know, so I like when it's done. <laughs> I like that I've done it. But the process of writing just sucks so much because uh, I'm self-editing the whole time. But um, right. For me, uh, because of my style, I usually will write down ideas and premises and outline stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But then I like to work things out on stage, uh, which is yeah. why I created the whole Amazeball show to begin with. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, I would, uh, even, even when I do write down specific scripts, um, I will leave room to improvise. Mm -hmm. So I'll leave the gaps because I want it to kind of feel fresh that first time. Because you never know what lines are going to come out. And, uh, you know, I usually have a good memory, but I do recommend people actually record. And I got to get better at that so that when you do ad lib things, you have a record of it. So you could go back and, like, try it again. Because totally. oftentimes you'll just come up with it and forget it later on and be like, what was that cool line I had? So uh, the way I tend to write is to just do it over and over again. And then mm -hmm. the things that stick become the lines in the script for the show right um and then those get solidified and then i can write those down um the the, the benefit of actually writing things out there's a, there's a pro and a con to it for me when i write it doesn't feel like my voice like my writing voice is different than my actual performing voice right so when I try to just deliver a script I write, it just feels forced or unnatural or whatever when I'm on stage, mm -hmm. uh, which is why I like that improvising, you know, because I can deviate the script. But that is the pro. Once you have a script, you can read it and then you can deviate it and then you can come back to the script. If you don't have a script or know where you're going, once totally. you deviate, you don't know where you're going to be headed after that. Yeah, it's a roadmap that you can always – safety blanket, if you will. Exactly, exactly. So but – Go ahead. So when I'm thinking about an idea for a, a new piece, I'll, I'll start just to jot down notes of the idea. And then I'll try and at least outline the beats of it, of like what needs to happen magically, what do I want to happen co comedically, uh, presentational-wise. And those kind of like over superimpose each other mm -hmm. in my mind. And then I'll just try it. I'll just try it to friends or whatever on stage if I can. Mm -hmm. And then I'll learn from that first time, and then maybe I'll sit down and write it down. I, I had the exact same issue for years uh, where I thought I was, like, not great at writing it out. I mean, I always, I always script everything, but, like, I would then get to rehearsal or on stage, and then what I'm saying is the same gist of the script I wrote, but it's worded totally differently. Mm -hmm. And... Mm -hmm. Part of what I read in this book is gave myself permission to do that. It says people don't talk the same way they write. So right. after you write it, say it out loud. Yes. So that's what I've been doing is I've been mm -hmm. typing it out, but then I say it out loud and record it, and I'm naturally just saying it the way that I would actually say it. In totally different words, the sentence means the same thing. Right. But I need to actually say it out loud in like a my normal projection and full full performance voice and then i can get so much closer to where it needs to be it'll still change in front of a live audience it'll still change and evolve absolutely and yeah like like i uh, you know just to reiterate that point we just mentioned is you have a script so that you can deviate from it you can get mm -hmm. away from it but then always have a place to return to if you do get lost because you want to feel like you're in the moment and still be fresh and everything like that and the, the 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 times i write down my script the most is when i'm doing like television or have a Same. specific big bit because especially when it comes to editing when you need to like shave a, a half a minute or a minute off of something you can't do that if you're just relying on your memory you have to have the words and the sentences there so you can literally like cross them out and i remember for my last um agt piece i it was an issue to get me into I'm back when it was only 90 seconds. And I remember literally going through my script with my producer and we were figuring out what little words we could just X out and skip out of the, just to shave a few seconds to fit it in time for mm -hmm. the live show. It was ridiculous. It's like, we're like, Oh, we can't cut that word or, or this won't, this sentence won't make sense. <laughs> like right, literally right. Going word for word. It was unreal. 
Mm-hmm. And I know comics have to do that when they do late night shows too. They have to submit their exact jokes in the way they're going to say them for right. this because they need censor approval as well. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, but but for me personally, I just like when I'm normally writing stuff for my show. It's very much in the Second City approach or improv approach of things because when Second City writes their sketches oftentimes it's through improv first and then they re-improvise the same scene and re-improvise it again and the things that they keep hitting again become specific lines and then that kind of solidifies and congeals that as the script so my next question is do you write do you type this stuff out um like just like a paragraph or do you actually do format it with like a screenplay with action lines and things like that (laughs) i've played around with that i just feel like it doesn't work uh, for for do because I, I when I'm when I'm writing sketches and stuff I'll do real screen writing formatting and everything like that and I have uh, books that help you with the formatting because Hollywood is very specific in different ways not that I've ever submitted a script to Hollywood <laughs> <laughs> but just for my own benefit and practice uh, yeah. but when it comes to my shows and, and again for like the TV stuff or like if I'm writing up a piece that I do to share uh, with, you know, friends or um, the Psychic Entertainers Association that I'm part of, uh, you know, as people do uh, to, to, to lecture on something, I'll just write it out like uh, like, you know, my lines in italics and, uh, you know, the actions in plain text. and So you do differentiate. Yeah, I'll differentiate it just mm-hmm. to. Just to know specific scripting lines, but no, I found it to be super helpful. I had never done it that way before. Mm-hmm. My script was separate from my actions in the past. Mm-hmm. So, well, there's different ways of formatting too, because there used to be an older way. Most everything now is the tra- traditional screenwriting format, uh, because a lot of the television shows are um, like single camera and kind of treated like a movie in mm-hmm. a way. But there used to be the teleplay format, where you'd have the page divided in half into two columns. And you would have the dialogue on one side of what people were saying and the action happening simultaneously on the other column. So you could actually Mm. have an action and dialogue on the exact same line to show that it happens at the exact same time. Gotcha. It's very strange. (laughs) And I never got used to that format at all. Right, right. Um, But no, no, mostly I'll just outline. And then if there's specific lines I need to hit, I'll write those in. And mm-hmm. then I'll just kind of, you know, set up kind of tent posts along the way to, to right. hold the routine as I'm getting it on, on its legs. Right. It, it's been a lot of fun work, you know, adding a few segments into the show. That's six transitions. Oh, right. Yeah. Transitions are a whole nother thing of how do you go from one piece to another? So how are you approaching your transitions in this show? The same way I approach uh, writing the content for the show. I, you know, I, I figure out where one thing ends. I'll watch it on video. Mm-hmm. And then I'll imagine, oh, and and I know the introduction to the next script of where I kind of need it to go, and I'll 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 see how it feels. I'll watch the video, see how it ended, hit pause, and go into the next script and see how that felt. Yeah. So you that's know? that can sometimes be you know a gear shift moment where it feels like this start stops and then you're just starting the next piece. Mm-hmm. Have you had to soften that change with other scripting or like try to? Uh, allied from one effect into the other using words uh, to, to kind of soften that transition at all? There, I think there are probably instances where where I've had to soften it, but I think there are also instances where it, it you are going into a whole different feel, so you just own that. Yeah. Own the transition. Put a music cue there. Let the screens move. Let the scenery move and, and make it an actual, okay, now we're doing a new thing. So it just depends, but it's it's really case by case. But if you take one thing in the show and move it to someplace else... There's there's a lot of work involved in that, not even including technology and programming and teching and all of that, but just like actually making it flow. That's something we have to think about as performers. Yeah, I think I think that's a great point that you can use production to help change from piece to piece. I know, you know, just blocking wise, if you're in a theater, you could just go from one side of the stage and just by moving to the other side of the stage, it signifies the beginning of a new thing. Because you're in mm-hmm. a new location and there's intention behind your actions, your mo- motion and how to get there. And if lights and music change as well, that can also signify a change. So that eases the transition. Boy, did I feel my transitions hardest when my music was not working in that <laughs> first show back on the road. Because it's like usually I have a boom, a music hit at the end and that signifies the end. And then as soon as I start talking again, I'm in the next piece. 
But without that, it's kind of like, yep, and there was that one, and now here's this next one. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Well, there's also only so much you can get done in your head and on paper. Mm-hmm. Once you actually get there, yeah. It, it's you're going to learn things that you didn't that you overlooked too of like yeah. oh well for one oh my music's not working tonight you didn't anticipate <laughs> that one <laughs> but i had done my show plenty of times without music it just felt even longer <laughs> right <laughs> right yeah i mean even just yeah. bringing someone up from the audience there's usually mm-hmm. some uh playback there yeah cuz you want to fill the dead time too and mm-hmm. the, you you got to think about that when you're scripting is like what actions require you know me to focus on this to do sometimes it's the secret thing the sneaky thing as well and you want to script it so that the the method is hidden uh mm-hmm. but also mm-hmm. it's just to like all right well i need a volunteer or i need in my case a lot of times papers and pencils passed out what am i going to do to keep people engaged during this inherently boring process where it's Mm -hmm. just dead time so Mm -hmm. all of those come up as i'm blocking out the idea for the the routine in my head um as i'm going but uh, it also reminds me of uh uh doug benson the comedian has a great bit that i always love where he goes a lot of comedians focus on their jokes but i've been focusing on my segues so he does a whole bit where the segues are the punchline it's so great i encourage you to check it out that's awesome i i always enjoy how like comedians interpret segues and like it's it's pretty common for them to be like oh i didn't have a segue for that one yeah yeah i feel I like that, that is a, a common lot thing too. i use that too it's like well all right that one's done Here's the next thing. I mean, <laughs> you could do that sometimes and it plays for a laugh, but you can only use it sparingly. You right, can't, you do can't it use time. it after every bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that one's done. I got to work on that segue, and we're moving yeah, on to this. Exactly. <laughs> and then your next segue is just exactly the same. I know, I know. It's like when you forget your uh, trade show booth. Uh, you can only do that once for you, you know whatever conference you're at, where you you get the sympathy points by putting up a sign that's like my booth didn't make it, and people are like, oh, we feel bad for you. But if you're at every conference and you still have the sign that said my booth didn't make it, you can't. what do you mean? Like if your stuff didn't arrive, like your yeah. banners? Or? Yeah, if your banners and whatever didn't arrive, you can get away with it once because people will feel sympathetic for you. <laughs> right. Whether yeah, maybe just whether, day one of the yeah. conference. <laughs> yeah. It's like, all right, you had 24 hours to figure out how to get your stuff here or print new ones. What's going on? Yeah, well, it depends on whether you're doing that accidentally, like it it did happen, like they lost your bags, or if you're doing that once intentionally just because you didn't feel like paying the shipping or whatever. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, it's not worth buying the booth if you're going to intentionally not bring advertisements to hang in the booth. I'm just here to tell you that. Agreed. Agreed. (laughs) (laughs) But in a pinch, that is a strategy. Bad plan. In a pinch, in a pinch, it could be okay temporarily. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, but yeah, Matt, uh, I'm pumped that your show's coming back. I'm excited to see uh, what. So, so you're working on the transition. You're working on the screenwriting. Now, you you have the improvised section in the show that you're telling us with the blackjack table. So, how are you going about scripting those moments in your mm-hmm. show? I I scripted the transition. I scripted the introduction, which I mentioned, a couple minutes of dialogue, sort of introducing a really uh, the the fun story that I sort of alluded to uh, last time we chatted on the cast here. Uh, And then I just used an action line to say, Matt will perform some introductory tricks here. And then I I did script the finale, though, Mm. of that segment. So I know how it's going to end. You know where you're headed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I know how it's going to start. But magic-wise, in terms of handing someone a deck and saying shuffle these or pick a card or think of a card, I, I don't know what that opening section is going to be yet. But I will have a good idea of what it's, what it's going to start as uh, but you know, in the next month or so. I just haven't decided yet what, what, what's going to fit there. But yeah, it could be ever-changing based on what I'm working on. Yeah, there's um there's you, you mentioned you kind of alluded to this earlier too, but in when I'm scripting things uh that I know is gonna have an improv element to it, I'll mm-hmm. just write like and ad lib here based off the situation or whatever. However, I also uh try to anticipate things that could happen. And I'll mm-hmm. and I'll have kind of a flow chart of a script where like if this happens, you know, throw this line in. And sure. it'll kind of like be a, a branching tree of 
possibilities, if else kind of thing that happens in the script. So that's a good way just to cover certain bases, especially as we were talking about failing a lot. You know, you could have moments like if this goes wrong, you can have a line scripted in your script for that. If this right. goes wrong, you know, just to be prepared and cover your bases. And that's what a lot of comedians do already when they do crowd work. They are improvising, but also at the same time, they're just ro- going through their Rolodex of situations where they occurred uh, where that has occurred before that they could pull from uh, right but if you just put it down on paper you have that kind of multiple choice choose your own adventure style of a script well i've had an issue with that so like a couple of things i'm scripting just involve interaction where i'm asking the audience questions and based on what they say obviously affects what i'm going to say and i just couldn't go through every possible response that someone Mm -hmm. could say and script what I would say back. You know, I just did one example and I'll deal with the rest when I get there. Yeah, exactly. For now, you know. (laughs) And and I think that also ties into not going too deep in the woods of method wise here, but like oftentimes just the way some effects work, you're going to have to have different scripts depending on different (laughs) outcomes that have. So uh, definitely if you are into magic and you are doing something that might go in different ways, script every outcome so that it feels like you know whatever the desired outcome is feel is is still the way that it should sound and pre-planned and everything like that so it's not like you're trying to come up with it on the spot if nothing else it just have a script you know even mm-hmm. if you're even if you are just talking about what you're doing like whether you know it or not that's your script for that performance like right. you can fix it you can edit it and you can make it better and and still feel fresh and organic like uh, i feel like some people maybe it stems from laziness or, but they're like oh i don't want to have a script because i want to sound natural and organic yeah, well off the cuff or whatever yeah yeah but like okay if you watch a really talented actor they don't sound scripted because right. it just means you have to practice more at your acting and reading yeah. the script yeah yeah i agree and, yeah. and 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 to get started too if you're bad at writing scripts like just do the sh- like like i would do is go and put it up on stage but i would record it and then take that recording and transcribe mm-hmm. it and then you now you have a script to work off of and you can make your changes and edits off of that so you could do it in reverse the other way after that first time as well right right yeah i mean it, you, you got to be saying things that are consistent with your character agreed agreed because the audience can tell they're smart They'll know when something doesn't feel authentic. Yeah, or or if you first walk out on stage in the beginning and say things that are kind of out of character, they won't be able to tell, and they're going to make judgments based on those right. statements, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. I think be- a lot of times they'll still tell just because you give off a lot just by walking out before you even say anything, too. True. So, um, yeah, nonverbal so, stuff. So if then you say something that doesn't fit, oh, boy, they'll tell. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> So. But Matt, I think this was a uh, great. Uh, do we want to let's do goals? Uh, I, I, we've been having fun with these little Easter eggs at the end, but uh, let's let's jump into our goals here. Um, you, uh, I think we already addressed mine. I wanted to assess what was going on in my socially distanced live show, so I'm excited for that. Yes, let me see. Well, we this. I guess this was a previous goal of yours, but. We, I, I, you did your marketing's coming along quite nice. I just want to say that. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I sent you a couple uh, mock-ups uh, of of the style I'm going for, and uh, it's still kind of up in the air. I gave some notes. I had very specific notes. It was interesting because they had the font and everything like that, and I was like, let me play around with just the layout a little bit. And they're like, I was like, I don't want to overstep my bounds. And like, right. Oh. He responded to me and goes, no, I love a client that knows exactly <laughs> what they Seriously. want and can give mm-hmm. you no know, specific direction. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pumped about that. I'm still working towards finalizing the, the logo, the branding of that. And then we're going to take that into, uh, you know, the, the web page and get the web page up. Any word on when we'll get to see it? Not yet. No, still Kay. just coming along. I, I, that's that's kind of my goal, I guess, going forward is I, yeah. I, I want by next month to, to have the website up. Okay, I, it's looking classy, man. I like it. Yeah, so you do have a deadline, roughly uh, about the time I, by the time I'm opening. Yeah, I would like to have my website up and ready, my new website going. It's really impressive. It looks good. I love the direction it's going in, and I can't wait for everyone else to see it. Yeah, so that'll be a tease. And uh, and you were just working on running through the and honing the show, which I think you're going to continue doing. Up yeah, until I'm laser focused right now. Everything is show related. Lots of moving parts when it comes to this thing. So. 
but yeah, I do feel good about it. I feel good about last week's goal having sort of uh, made a lot of progress, but a uh, long, long way to go. So I'm going to continue with that for sure. Yeah. So uh, check out Ticketmaster. Get your tickets. Uh, safe, socially distant show. Support live entertainment. It's been a while since you've seen things live. Uh, so that would be great to see Matt. And, uh, uh, you know, you could start booking me as well out on the road again, uh, you know, as things open up. I'm still doing the virtual shows. If you, uh, you know, still want to um, see see that as well for your company or, or whatever, or just a fun little uh, fun little private gathering, whatever, I'm, I'm open. You can hit me up on my website. You can hit Matt up for tickets on his website, I'm sure. But if you want to email us at uh, mindovermagicpodcast at gmail.com where you can uh, give us feedback about the show, if you got riddles, trivia, or just a topic you want us to discuss, let us know. We'll, we'll, you can also tell us not to read your name on air if you don't want your message read. Uh, but just, yeah, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. And hit us up on the socials at Mind Magic Pod, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We don't have a TikTok. Do you want to get us uh, a TikTok? I don't think we need one. No, I don't think we <laughs> <laughs> Who? Which one of us is going to be sharing things on it? Oh, not me. I'm Neither not- <laughs> is the answer to that. Do you have a TikTok? I, I just claimed my name on TikTok, but yeah. I've not posted a single thing on TikTok. So basically, essentially, we both have dormant TikToks, and you <laughs> want to add a second TikTok to our plate. Is that what you're saying? How about we get a link to the podcast on either of our websites? <laughs> or Preferably both. Or our own website. That's our <laughs> ongoing goal, to be honest. <laughs> Mind over At magic the very website. least, a link. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll get there in due For- time, man. For now, it just links to our Podbean, so check us out there. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, if you're hearing this right now, you don't need a link on our website to this podcast. You're already here. Yeah, but tell a friend. Thank you for being here. Tell a friend to search on their device if you want to listen to Mind Over Magic as well. Uh, Since you can't give them a link yet, just tell them to search it. (laughs) They can send it direct. They just, you know, that's it. Oh, yeah, you can do that. You can, like, do a share from the the podcast app and, like, text Mm -hmm. it to a friend. Yeah. Thank you for listening, though. Seriously, we really appreciate it. Yeah, we we love uh, chatting with each other, but we love uh, our our community we've built here as well. So thank you so much for tuning in. Whoa, wait. You were on to something there. Yes. That's a way to end an episode. You were almost there. We love chatting in with each other, but we love something, something, something. There's something that there's something there. Well, this is how this episode is gonna end. <laughs> no, do you do you do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, all right. <laughs> you didn't hear yourself because you were the one talking, but I heard it. It was it was good. It sounded like a nice ending quip of the show. You end every show like that. You say, "Hey, we love talking to each other," and then. There's another sentence that comes after that that pulls it all full circle. Boom, sign off, mic drop. We'll, we'll nail this ending by maybe by the 50th episode. Wait, 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 wait. I just want to get your feedback here. Do you like it? Sure. Yeah. You I'll wrote it. To it back. This is a good example of scripting. I just tried it. I'll listen to it back. We'll see how it goes. I'm telling you, I, maybe we even do like a thing where, where you say half the sentence, I say half the sentence, and that's the sign off. If you've got a sign-off that you'd like us to do, email <laughs> us at mindovermagicpodcast at gmail.com. We'll take your suggestions. But for now, uh, thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Can they still hear us? Yes. They can still Let me hear tell us. you, it wouldn't be a true episode if we didn't have a partial production meeting during the episode. <laughs> yeah. We got, we got to talk about how the sausage is made. That's what we do. <laughs> Sausage is made for your show, for my show, for how the podcast is made. It's all it all goes into the process. Just change the, the name of the cast to Sausage. I don't I don't think we want the name people searching like Sausage Sausage Fest. <laughs> I didn't say fest, you said fest. <laughs> so we could just say I say sausage, you say fest, and that's how we close it out. Goodbye. <laughs>